podcast listeners. I'm Jill McCormick. And I'm Robin Wall. And this is Afraid Not Podcast. Welcome to episode number 45, in which we take our second look at the Enneagram. Two weeks ago, we talked about an introduction to this fantastic tool of understanding ourselves and the people in our lives. And today we're going to look at three specific numbers that go together in a specific way. We're looking at the twos, threes, and fours today of the Enneagram. These three numbers are all in the feelings triad, so they kind of view the world first through their feelings. They do that all a little bit differently. The twos feelings, they they are very much feelers. You'll be able to see it. They feel what everybody else in the room is feeling. And they are a dependent number, meaning they are okay if everybody else is okay. The threes feelings are, are harder for them to access. Sometimes they don't know what they're feeling, but they know there's a lot of feelings going on. And they are in the aggressive stance. And then the fours are, their feelings kind of go more inward and they can become melancholy. And that, that number is in a withdrawing stance. So these three numbers are also nicknamed the heart triad. And so one thing about the heart triad numbers is that all three of them can be more image conscious than other numbers. So as as you're listening, and hopefully you are discerning where you fall into the Enneagram and figuring out more about yourself, learning more about yourself, uh, we have three people we're so grateful for that have been willing to come onto our show to talk about how they've seen their own number and how they and understand themselves a little better because of that. We have, as a two, we have Maddie Johnston, a college student at RSU. We have, for number three, we have Eric Wall, who's actually my son, and he is going to be a sophomore at University of Central Oklahoma this next fall. And then we also have, as representing the fours, we have Quinn McCormick, who is Jill's daughter, and she's going to be sharing with us about how she sees herself as a four and how she's learning about that. And she's actually out into the big, brave world. She just graduated (laughs) from college. Congratulations, Quinn. (laughs) So listen to see if this sounds like you or somebody that you love, and we hope this is helpful. So we're going to start with our Enneagram twos, talking about that. So what the row back to you says on the twos, when it comes to taking care of others, I don't know how or when to say no. I'm a great listener, and I remember stories that made up people's lives. I am anxious to overcome misunderstandings in relationships. I feel drawn to influential or powerful people. People think I'm psychotic because I usually know what other people need or want. Even people I don't know well share deep stuff about their lives with me. It seems like people who love me should already know what I need. I need to be acknowledged and appreciated. I'm comfortable giving more. I'm more comfortable giving than receiving. I like my home to feel like a safe and welcoming place for family and others. I care a great deal about what people think of me. I want other people to think I love everyone, even though I don't. I like it when the people who love me do something unexpected for me. Lots of people ask me for help, and it makes me feel valuable. When people ask me what I need, I have no idea how to answer. When I'm tired, I often feel like people take me for granted. People say my emotions can feel over the top. I feel angry and conflicted when my needs conflict with others. 
sometimes it's hard for me to watch movies because I find almost I find it almost unbearable to see other people suffer. I worry a lot about being forgiven when I make mistakes. So that's kind of our two in a nutshell. And our two that we're talking to today is Maddie Johnston. Hi. Thank you so much for having me. So excited. Um, So my name is Maddie. I am an Enneagram type two. I am 21 years old and I am a senior at Roger State University and I'm studying community counseling with a minor in psychology. Very nice. And that's a great field for a two to go into, would yes, you say? Yes, a very great field, for <laughs> sure. Oh, that's awesome. Thank you for coming on to our show today. Of and course. Getting, um, helping our listeners understand twos more and all the people that are listening who have a two in their life. So how do you see the world, Maddie? Like, what's on your lens of your glasses? When you look out at the world and, and you just see the landscape around you, how do you see it? I definitely tend to see the world in more of um, a best-case scenario view, if you will. So I try to see, like, the good in every situation, the good in every person, try to um, give second, third chances to people, just always trying to see the better or help that person get to the better. If I can play a part in that, then that's great for me, too, of trying to help people. Um definitely helping in ways when um, things don't quite match up for people. So I'm trying to just fill the gaps where I can as a two, I would say, is um, kind of how I see the world is where I can fill the holes, if you will. Yeah. So if you were going into a party, where do you go to the room? Do you go to the middle of the room? Do you go to the sides? Do you find people you know? So I'm definitely going to go in and find the people I know, make sure that they Know that I saw them, give hugs, say hi, catch up, see how they're doing. Um, kind of scan the room, see like where where everything is at. And then my next thought is definitely like, where is someone that's stressed? Where can I fill in? You know, if they're serving food, is the kitchen crazy? Does somebody need help in there? You know, where's the thing where I can make things run more smoothly? It's definitely where I'm going to go. And then, you know, if all those things are met, then I'm trying to find somebody who is like, looking like they're not having the best time, trying to figure out if I can make them feel more welcome and included, more of a hostess, if you will, if I'm not even hosting the party, like I'm a guest and I'm trying to make sure everything's like going well. It's definitely where where I'm going to go. So listeners, note to self, make sure you invite at least one to, to every party you ever throw because we need the twos in our lives to come in and say, can I help you in the kitchen? Can I just... Do you need me to carry this? Do you need... Yes. <laughs> Thank you for being the twos in our life. Yes. So you have a tendency to walk into a room and just see what everybody in the room needs. Mm-hmm. So just trying to scope out, you know, if, you know, there's just something that's not going quite right where I can help out in any way, whatever that looks like, even if it's something that I'm like, not necessarily like comfortable doing, I'm still going to put myself in that position where even if it's uncomfortable for me, but it's easy for you, then I'm going to do that. So it's good. Yeah. What have you found challenging about being your number? Um, I think the most challenging, most challenging thing, there are different, you know, parts to that question for sure, but um, is the motivations as to why a two does what they do. So most twos just think, okay, like I'm filling in the space, like I'm such a help, I'm doing these things. But a lot of times that's how we're trying to receive love. So I'm trying to meet your needs in hopes that, you'll love me and like unconditional love 
is something I can give so freely, but something I can rarely accept. So I'm trying to earn someone's love in whatever love language that is, wherever I can meet that need, where I can fill in. A lot of times that looks like acts of service, but um, really it's like the, the key motivations for why a two does what they do. Um, I think another difficult thing for a two is to check into what I need because I can do that for someone else so easily and figure out what someone needs just by looking at them or a simple conversation but if you ask me what I need I'm not going to be able to answer because I just don't even know how to start it's like I can't take what I'm doing for someone else and apply that to my life because I just don't even know what that looks like or I have a hard time with feeling selfish in situations like that where it's like oh I can't take this time for me, because there's something that I could definitely be doing for someone else, whether that's in my close circle or figuring something out for someone. So it's definitely hard for me to, to do that, to find an outlet, um, to just settle down and just be alone with my thoughts and with my needs. Um, and with that, it's easy for, um, me to pour from an empty cup. So continually helping other people. And it's hard to give when you don't have anything else to give, but you're like running on fumes almost, but still going. Um, I also don't like how much of a martyr a two can be in a situation. So it's like giving and giving and giving and, you know, then just being like, oh, no one's seeing that I have all these needs and I have all these struggles and I'm trying to do these things, but still continually doing those things is is hard to almost come to terms with as a two. Mm-hmm. And the deadly sin of two is pride. So is that where you mm-hmm. think that comes in, kind of the martyr thing? Yeah, for sure. It's definitely a very talked about things with two of just struggling with pride, whether um, that's pridefulness of, you know, again, feeling like that martyr, feeling like people just aren't understanding what you need. And you're so freely giving of, you know, your time, your energy, your resources. And so it's like, well, when I need like one thing, it's so hard to come by almost or it's like, oh, these people can't even see what I need and I can so easily see what Mm -hmm. they need. And so just remembering that and staying in that space of not everybody thinks like a two and that's a reason there are twos for a reason that they're so in tune with what everyone else needs, but not everybody thinks like that is very hard for a two to stay grounded in that mentality for sure. Oh, you go ahead. Well, two, threes, and fours are all in the heart triad, which is why we're talking about all of those together. So for a two, that comes out probably the strongest, like outwardly, Mm -hmm. you think? Yes, for sure. I was going to say, do you think that all of our listeners who are having a two come to their mind right now, like, oh, I think my child is a two, or I think it must be, I bet I'm married to a two, um, someone that they love, so... What would be something they could do to help that person really receive their love? Would it be really meaningful for them to to look them in the eye and say, I love all the things you do for me and you mm-hmm. are so thoughtful, but I just want to remind you, I just love you. Yeah. For just sh- for you. For sure. So that's the biggest thing is... Every once in a while, if you have a two in your life, they'll give you a glimpse of what they need. And they'll tell you whether it's like slightly throwing it out there, just very quick, very passive, because, I mean, they don't really want to share exactly what they need, but they want it so badly. So it's kind of this like mixed thing. But the biggest thing is just even though like say a two does all these things for you saying, thank you so much for doing these tasks for me. I really appreciate that you see what's going on behind the scenes, but 
I love you despite those things. Like in addition to like, you're doing all these amazing things for me, but even if you didn't do those things, I would still love you for you and still want to be with you and spend that time with you is so important because hearing that verbally just really solidifies that for a two. It's hard for us to think that about someone if we've never heard it because mm-hmm. we're never going to get that far into how you're thinking, your thought process, because we're seeing just the things that you need. So reinforcing that and just validating those feelings verbally is super helpful for a two. Um, yeah, Maddie has kind of been staying with us for a while. And one of the things she said when she started was, what, what do you want me to do? What can I do to earn my keep? And I was like, are you orphan Annie? You don't need to be earning your keep. What are you talking about? First the windows, then the floor. That way, if I drip. Those of you who love the Aileen Quinn Annie, that was just a little treat for you. <laughs> so what do people misunderstand about twos? Um, I think the biggest misunderstanding about twos would probably be um, that they can't really do conflict, that they're just these sweet, passive people who are just so happy to help, so eager, but there's never like a side that comes out where they can do conflict if they need to because that wing one, if you know they do pull to a one wing, they can definitely be more like, in this situation, I'm good if everyone else is good. So I'm going to do what I need to do and like almost mama bear a situation to make sure everyone's on the same playing field. Everyone's doing well, feeling good about the situation. So we can do conflict if we need to. We don't like to do it for ourselves and have that conflict with other people for things that we need, but we can totally do it for someone else. So if that's a simple situation, like you know, a food order is wrong at a restaurant. My order is completely messed up. I'm not going to say anything, but if yours is slightly messed up, I'm going to make sure that you get exactly what you need. Um, (laughs) But I'll never do it for myself. So that's something that, you know, twos can't really do for themselves, but it's more of a misunderstood, like we can be super passive, like, um, and not do conflict like a type nine where they really just hate conflict, don't want to do it no matter the cost. Uh, that would be me. I would rather <laughs> crawl under the table. But I would say something. If you just mentioned a moment ago a wing one. Mm-hmm. So for people that are listening, and you are maybe new to the Enneagram and listening curiously, uh, that just means that there's another element to this personality type that can lean towards the part of the, ter- the Enneagram of a one and the name of the one is the perfectionist, the perfectionist mm-hmm. and someone who's very organized and they can get a lot done. So that's kind of what Maddie is referring to, that she has parts of her personality that go to that. Mm-hmm. We can maybe talk about that a little bit more. But anyway. Yeah. And where do you go in stress and strength? In stress, I go to an eight. So I become um, super aggressive in my relationships. I become like almost like I've kept a list of all these things that I've done for you. And now I'm going back and saying, okay, why haven't this, why hasn't this matched up? And so I can go there full force, um, as an eight, um, which is why eights aren't necessarily, I can see the struggles of an eight. So sometimes I don't necessarily get along with eights as much because it's kind of like this reminder of where I can go mm-hmm. and stress. And eights I don't are called the challengers, by the way, which is not a place that I like to go to. So it's definitely, you know, more of an aggressive side, which I really don't like to do kind of combative and like that tough conversation, those areas of conflict. Um, and then in growth, I go to a four. So I'm, I can become very in tune with my needs, 
be alone with my thoughts, find an outlet um, that's going to be creative, whether that's doing something crafty or listening to music or just finding a way where I can express how I'm feeling and my thoughts and just really be in tune with what I need and what I want to do. So it's a good place for sure, um, but it's very hard for a two to make that hurdle to get. Because fours, I mean, that's focusing on what you need solely and completely. So it's hard for a two to get there in strength fully, um, but definitely that's what we're we're trying to go to for sure in strength. I'm curious, do you have some memories from your early, maybe when you're four or five years old that you look back at now and you can already see when you were such a little child that you were already being a two? Mm-hmm. For sure. There's a story that my family loves to tell where um, I was going around to everyone. We were having a family get together and I was asking their drink order and wondering what they wanted. And so I had a little pad of paper and I was walking around asking everybody what they wanted. And my grandpa said, Oh, I would like some lemonade, please. And I was like, okay, perfect. And I grabbed a cup of lemonade and then this is actually pretty gross. I walked outside to the dog's water bowl and I dumped the cup of lemonade so that I could make some for everyone because I just saw this big bowl of water. So I dumped the lemonade in there and I was like, I've made so much lemonade for everyone. And I was so excited and I scooped it up (laughs) in this little teacup and I walked it up to my grandpa who, mind you, is the most particular person when it comes to like spots on silverware, anything that's dirty with dishes can't handle it and I walk up to him and I hand him this half lemonade half dog water concoction (laughs) and I give it to him and he drinks it and then I run around the house saying he drank it he drank it and I'm just you know then it hits full you know my mind what I've done and I've given my grandpa dog water for sure um (laughs) so that's you know a little bit into the helper side I also was just a very nurturing like always had baby dolls as a little girl I was always not saying that, you know, all twos are going to play with baby dolls or things like that, but um, always carrying around baby dolls and wanting other people to hold them and see what a good mom I was just as mm-hmm. this little girl. So, um, but yeah, the dog water story, that that gets every, gets told at every every family <laughs> family event that we have. But <laughs> That's funny. Uh, so what are some of the things that you love about your type, the number two? What do you enjoy that you see in yourself? I definitely love that I can pick up on little things in conversations um, of things that other people love. So like if they're having a bad day, I can draw from that and be like, oh, they said that they loved this or they um, they wanted this or if they were sad, this is something that they would totally love to have. And so I love that I have this like little pool of knowledge that I don't, I don't even realize that I have that I can just draw from. Um, so very detail oriented in that. And also I just have this ability um to like draw things out of people whether I can tell that you know there's something that's bothering them and I just really want to like pull that out of them and get that out of them and allow them to be just emotional almost and just know that I can take whatever they need they can say whatever they need to me as long as it makes them feel better um so I think that will be helpful in a counseling profession of being able to pull that out of people and allow them to just say whatever they need, get it off their chest, and um, have them leave the conversation better than when they came into it. Well, thanks so much for sharing just a little snippet of twos and telling us what that looks like to be a two. So if you have somebody in your life, if you think you might be a two, or you're married to one, or you're parenting one, or you're working with one, these are good things to kind of know when you're dealing with them. Thank you so much for having me.
Thank you, Maddie, for coming onto our show. So now we're going to delve into the threes. And so before we start, I'm going to read and tell you what it, it feels like to be a three. It's important for me to come across as a winner. I walk When I walk in a room and knowing I'm making a great first impression on the crowd, that's what I need to do, I could persuade Bill Gates to buy a Mac. The keys to my happiness is efficiency, productivity, and being acknowledged as the best. I don't like it when people slow me down. I know how to airbrush failure so it looks like success. I'd rather lead than follow any day. I'm a I am competitive to a fault. I can find a way to win over and connect with just about anyone. I'm a world champion multitasker. I keep a close watch on how people are responding to me in the moment. It's hard for me to not take work along on a vacation. It's hard for me to name or access my feelings. I'm not one to talk much about my personal life. Sometimes I feel like a phony. I love setting and accomplishing measure, measurable goals. I like other people to know about my accomplishments. I like to be seen in the company of successful people. I don't mind cutting corners if it gets the job done more efficiently. People say I don't know how or when to stop working. So our Enneagram 3 that we're visiting with today is Eric Wall. Hi. Welcome Hi. to our Afraid Not podcast, Eric, my son. I'm so proud of. I love you Oh, she's much. proud of me. That's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> so Eric is pretty much the prototype of an Enneagram 3. So Eric, first off, what is, a, what is the lens you use to see the world? How does the world look to you as a 3? Um... Uh, it's honestly a, um, a landscape in which I'm supposed to accomplish my goals. Um, I'm very, uh, like goal oriented. Um, I'm, I feel like I'm kind of like a dog, um, and that like my whole life is supposed to be a shared experience. Like if I'm not sharing the experience with someone, I'm not doing it right. Um, it's kind of a goal. Like my, like our dog will, if no one's outside, she's like, what am I doing out here? And then once someone comes outside, she's like really happy. She's chilling. Um, that's kind of how I feel. Um, um, I um, really need those closest to me to be reliable, consistent parts of my life um, in order to feel like I'm doing it well, living it well. Um, uh, the only uh, way that I feel like I'm not as much like a stereotypical three is that I'm, um, I consider... I consider it a really big goal to be understood, I think. Um, and so that kind of causes me to be um, overly open with my emotions and feelings and, and past and and struggles and things. Um, Which just actually so. may mean that you are just on the healthy side. Because a healthy three does realize, oh, I need to be hmm. understood. So that is actually, that may just be showing that you're really a healthy version of mm -hmm. yourself. Dang. <laughs> Thank you, Mom. My mom thinks I'm healthy. Um, it's a really big, important thing for me to, um, honestly, to be, like, achieving accolades, um, as, like, superficial as it sounds, because it, it makes me feel like I'm, even in the mundane, normal um, involvements of my life, I am achieving uh, even more so than the average person. Um, it's a really big goal to be, to meet my needs and to live a sustainable lifestyle, um, in which all those needs are met. Um, like honestly, um, romantically and personally and, um, with just the basic needs of, of, um, 
like studying and and growing musically. Um, I, I want to structure a lifestyle in which in every day I am accomplishing those needs um, proactively instead of out of deficiency, um, achieving those needs, you know what I mean? Um, trying to be like a proactive driver of my own life. Um, and to live a life that I consistently enjoy more than I dislike, um, which really is more better worded as like living more at peace than in conflict. Um, so I'm trying to, I often try to foresee potential conflict and then allay that before it's ever an issue. Um, like with, I'm about to move into a house with five guys, one of them being Aiden, who's Jill's <laughs> um, son, who's my best friend. Um, and so I'm, I'm discussing with all four other guys different issues that he and they and I personally might have. Um, and then already talking through ways that we can overcome it, um, just so I can spend more time yes. at peace than I am at like, conflict. Like how you're going to handle food in the house. Yeah, I heard that's, about a, that. that's a that's 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 still up for a debate. Um, <laughs> and um, honestly, with the whole lens I see the world, I really do. Um, the biggest thing is that I want to have lived out my dreams. Mm-hmm. I want to have um, accomplished my largest accomplishments, which is my dreams of, of being a musician, of um, loving the people around me and being loved by the people around me. Um, so that kind of informs everything else about how I live my life, honestly. Okay. And you know what? We didn't let you introduce yourself. Right. We meant to say Sorry. at the very beginning, just tell us a little bit about <laughs> That's okay. yourself. And you actually, in that answer you just gave, we got some insight into who you are. But just let our listeners kind of have a nutshell of who you are and where you are in life right now. Yeah. Um, uh, my name's Eric. Nice to meet you. Uh, I am a uh, musician. Um, I think I'll probably say first and foremost, um, I like to communicate myself, communicate my feelings musically, um, sometimes more so than verbally. Um, I am really, um, I try to experience experience the visceral in my life um very often very deeply very I I want to feel things in order to feel like I'm um living my life well um I'm I play in a band called Kind of Collective with um Aiden Jill's son um yeah um I I love to lead worship I'm currently an intern at First Baptist Owasso where I um am the worship intern I um help lead worship on Sundays um I'm a I go to UCO, um, I study jazz guitar, and I'm going to start studying vocal music education. Um, yeah. All right. That's, that's, that's a little right. bit about me. So, Eric, if you're going to a party, if you walk in the room, where do you go in the room? Do you go to the center dance floor? Do you go to the side? Do you look for one person? I go to the right in the middle. <laughs> right in the middle. All the time. Um <laughs> I tend to want to be a really integral part of whatever I'm doing. Um, it's just kind of part of the goal-oriented of, of um, honestly, if it's just like a standard party, like get-together, I'm usually the one hosting. Um, but it's not, it's not because I um, want to be a host. Um, it's honestly because um, I just want to be relevant. I, I want to do everything I can to be integral to whatever's happening. Um, and you're kind of the point person in your group anyway that everybody knows you'll just get it done. It's really just because of that's just how I've I've set myself up because that's like how I, I that's a, a really big thing for me of 
I, I never want to be irrelevant. And it's, it, it, it goes back to a worth thing, I think. Um, I want to be, yeah, integral is just the word that I keep thinking of. Um, so, um, yeah, I, I usually just try to enter the center of the action um, just to push the activities along so to as achieve the maximum level of enjoyable experience at the party, which sometimes it's just um, just sitting and talking and having, uh, like, substantial amounts of, of really important conversation. Um, but I try to get in the middle so I could read everyone so we can assess the best way to go about the evening to have the best experience because <laughs> it just comes back to, like, achieving a goal. Anytime I'm like isolated at a party, I feel like I'm I'm doing it wrong. Like I'm missing it out on like this could be a, a better shared experience with all of us. So you want and it to be the best. Eric's always good about going up to any person and just being like, Hi, I'm Eric Wall. It's nice to meet you. <laughs> it's a great I do. whether he knows him or not. It's awesome. So something about your personality that maybe you have been as you've studied this Enneagram 3 stuff, as you've kind of figured out, okay, that, that sounds like me, what's something that's been challenging about your own personality in this? What's something that you think, oh, this is hard for me? Honestly, I've struggled with, with coming to conclusions like this from studying um, the Enneagram 3 um, just because I, like I, like I want it to be, <laughs> it honestly comes back to a goal-achieving thing. Like I want it to be something that, I discover about myself instead of someone informs me about myself. Um, and I, I, um, I just from being introspective, I realized that I put a lot of pressure on myself to accomplish the goals. And I also put a lot of pressure on those around me. Um, and it's, it's kind of difficult on my friendship sometimes. Um, also difficult within myself because I kind of stress myself out. Um, I often implement too much structure into things. Um, I'll kind of get into that a little bit later with some, some memories and experiences that I have. Um, but when I don't succeed, like when I feel like I have too many plates, too many things I'm trying to accomplish and none of them work out, um, I kind of border nihilism, honestly, just like nothing's working out. Nothing matters. I hate my life. <laughs> like, um, I just become kind of, um, overly apathetic just because I, like, I don't want to do anything because I fear I won't accomplish anything by it so instead of not accomplishing anything through failure I choose to not accomplish anything through apathy um, but I try to um, not spend much time in that place um, out well, it's of interesting that you just talked about that one of the things that we have is one of the questions we were going to ask you just answered because you were talking about how in those moments when you're very stressed mm -hmm. what you tend to do and one of the things that we have learned about the three is that if you're in a time of stress, you go to the place of an unhealthy nine, which I'm a nine, and I'm learning a lot about that. But you just may be stuck in that place of, I just, I just got to sit here on the couch and, and do nothing for a while, and maybe it takes me a while to get out of this spot. So, interesting. Interesting that you said that. So, on that note, where do you go in security? You go to um, a healthy six. What does that look like? Um, I, I don't. If I'm thinking about just introspectively, like where I go whenever I feel healthy, I, I over-involve myself. Like first semester of college, I felt like I was thriving. I got. I started two clubs. I I got involved <laughs> everywhere. Oh my gosh! I was super involved at BCM. My band started picking up. Um, 
my band was supposed to play at this the Hard Rock Hotel and Casino for a thing. We were supposed to do a school dance at UCO. Then, of course, um, COVID. COVID ended yeah. up. We were supposed to go on tour. Um, just some stuff was really picking up. I started getting really awesome worship opportunities. Um, and I didn't really have any free time, cause I and I d- didn't really care. Um, like, a lot of my friends were like, how are you so busy? Like, I just feel so drained all the time from, like, even just, like, normal school activities. But I was so empowered, continually empowered, because, like, in school I felt like I was achieving, so I loved it. Um, on all of my involvements, although I was, like, they interpreted it as, like, stress, stressing myself out, I was really just, like, feeding that goal-oriented mm-hmm. achievement side. So and I think can work themselves into the ground. I mean, yeah. you were energized by the work. Yeah, and so it's kind of, yeah, honestly. Um, so what some people would interpret as stressing myself out, um, and it could quickly turn to that if I feel like I'm losing achievements and, like, overworking myself without the benefits. Um, whenever it's working out, it's, like, an unbelievable amount of plate spinning. It's just, mm-hmm. like, kind of, kind of... Well, and you did mention that you kind of think through what could happen and so you can fix it before it happens. That's Mm -hmm. very six-ish behavior, so that probably means that you're going in growth, that you're thinking it through to make sure if this happens, then he'll be, here here the answer will be. Sweet. (laughs) And also, sixes are very loyal, and I would say that's one thing about you with your friendships, Mm -hmm. that you are very loyal to your people in your life and you love them you love them well yeah but it's honestly not out of a place of of trying to do right or because it's honorable but it's honestly because it's it helps me achieve the goal of of knowing them better and being known by them because if I disqualify myself from a relationship with them by being disloyal then I've lost that um what do people misunderstand about you as a three um I think some people, um, I, I don't know if it's really particularly because I'm a three, um, but just things that people misunderstand about me. Um, some people perceive that I don't really care about them as much as I care about my goals, um, but really they are my goal um, in some ways. Um, like with kind of implementing structure in our band or in our friendships of like, hey, we should try to get together once a week. Um, or we should... Some, sometimes people interpret that as like, I, I see them as a checklist, as a, as a mm-hmm. thing in my checklist, um, as opposed to something I want to make a consistent part of my life, which is really my goal. Um, and sometimes it just doesn't happen organically. You know what I mean? Although, like, yeah, it's, it's, I guess it's preferable for it to just happen. I, I recognize that sometimes it doesn't, and I want to make sure that it happens. And so I, I think some people see me as, like, ingenuine in that sense. Um, some people perceive me as kind of ignorant because of kind of an, a more optimistic view I have sometimes. Um, like I'm ignoring the bad things that are happening. Um, but I think it's my optimism comes from more of a place of um, trying to appreciate all of the things that, like cons- taking all things into consideration, the fact that I can think, the fact that I can feel are things to be happy about. Um, so dwelling on, on things that are, are negative or, or being ignorant of those things. So I, um, yeah, there's, there's times I'm 
really ignorant, but I don't think optimism is one of those places where I'm I'm ignorant for feeling that way. Um, some people um, see me as over dramatic and really emotionally driven, um, and they're 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 right. So <laughs> <laughs> it's never boring with a three. I was thinking about um, something that happened when you were just three years old. It may have been when you were four. I just I know that it was a long, long time ago. And maybe it one of, it's one of those things that you've been told a lot, but you don't actually even remember doing it. But um, when you were coloring, you were working on your whatever you, your page, you know, in a coloring book, and you really got upset, so upset to the point that you were you were crying, big crocodile tears. You were really, really, crocodile. really upset. And I was worried about you. I said, Eric, what is wrong? What's, why, is, why are you feeling so sad? And you were so upset because you weren't coloring in the lines. And you wanted to, you already, as a young child, you already knew you just wanted to do it the best you could. And you <laughs> had in your mind what it was going to look like. And you, you know, your fingers physically couldn't do it yet to have that fine motor control, but you already knew in your mind, I wanted it to look this way and it won't look this way and now I'm just so, you know. <laughs> I So that shows me, even from the early, early yeah. uh, development of your personality, that you've mm-hmm. been, you strive to do the best you can. So, uh, what are some other things that you can think of in your... Well, even in even scene? in that example, I see it's, it's more about like the goal was to make the picture look perfect and I was failing to achieve the goal. <laughs> like... <laughs> Um, I really didn't like the fact that, like, the three was called the achiever because I was like, ah, that just sounds so superficial all the time. But the more I think about it, the more it really comes down to achieving goals in every aspect of my life. Uh, but some more memories that I've that I've had that have kind of demonstrated that that are a little more recent um, with the house that I'm about to move into. Um, I was proposing some stupid amount of structure in our house of like, yeah, on like. Tuesdays, Thursdays, we can go work out at, like, 8 together. Um, we can have a and d session on, like, Monday nights at, like, 9. Um, and then we can we could um, be memorizing scripture together. Um, we can be um, – we can uh, help each other to be in the Word consistently by, like, all of us reading the Bible at the same time in the mornings. Um, and then, um, honestly, we could also, um, like uh, – schedule some times where we just have to be in the house just so we, like, for, can hang out. And they're, like – Dude, we're living together in the same house. Like, what makes you think we might we aren't going to be hanging out enough? <laughs> okay, okay. And so, but the it's just so like I want to achieve the goal of being close with them, um, which like it's so dumb to think that like it's not going to happen. It might not happen organically, so I got to structure it to make sure it happens. But like, it's it's gonna you know it's not something I need to worry about. Um, <laughs> another thing, another memory, a recent memory, something that I. I'm surprised at how proud of myself I am, um, is with, um, there's this thing called the Martin Luther King Jr. Oratory Competition at UCO. Um, and um, something you, I kind of realized this as you were reading that thing about yeah. threes, about wanting to um, be <laughs> overly successful with a little amount of work. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. Like being able to <laughs> achieve something out of nothing, that yeah. kind of thing. Um, and I'm so incredibly proud of, we had, um, it was a competition, and I, I, 
my guitar lesson was canceled. Um, and so I had, I was just like, I had my guitar and I was like already on my way. So I just like went and sat down in the library and I was just like, I guess I'll just pop out some homework and just waste the hour. And um, I looked up and saw a sign that said, oratory competition, due date was that day in, <laughs> in, in two hours. And I was like, um, I could write a speech in that, that quick. Um, and so I popped on my computer and I busted out a speech as fast as I could um, on the topic. I did a very minimal amount of research, a whole lot of just fluff um, and just like trying to pull from all of the like like pathos I've ever heard in my life from every <laughs> sermon I've ever heard um, to bring together a, a beautiful speech. And I submitted it and I made callbacks with it. Um, so I went, and there were like 15 people that were in callbacks around campus, um, and my speech got selected as one of the top three to go to the competition, which was like this big banquet event thing, um, and all three of us spoke, um, and I actually got third, um, which is... Um, it's a the, huge accomplishment. It's, it's awesome. Yeah, I'm super... I'm but just it's not so, first. It's, it's not first. <laughs> um, but I was, I was so proud of it, and just because of like... The little amount of work that I was able to achieve a lot, I was just so happy about it, which is just like kind of silly, um, but a great example of that, my goal-oriented yes. pride. <laughs> I love it. I love it. What is your what is your the best thing you like about your personality? What's your favorite thing about your personality? Um, I think my favorite thing about my own personality is that I consider it very effective. I consider my the life I live to be um, to be one that is not just successful in a in a business or a superficial sense, but in in the sense of of having a, a good life in which I'm understood and I understand people and the experiences that I have are real. Um, yeah, I think it's just I um, I also like feel like I accomplish a lot. Um, more so than others just because of my, I guess, how much it, like, feeds me. And so it's kind of a weird uh, thing about that. But it's, um, I, I think it can be a very effective, I can be very effective in um, just the ways I go about my life. I think that's probably mm -hmm. my favorite part. Mm -hmm. um, it definitely has drawbacks, but I think that's probably but my favorite part. But threes get stuff done. Oh, yeah. Get your to-do list. And I remember even as... You were a middle schooler. You would have these very detailed to-do lists with your very small handwriting, and you would show me all the little checks, and you still to this day like to do your to-do lists and um, achieve them, which mm -hmm. is actually a fantastic part of you. It's a yeah. great thing. I still, I still do that every day. Like starting in like fifth, sixth grade, I'd just yeah. get Post-it notes and write down the things I had to do the rest of the day. <laughs> I still do that. I still will write stuff on a post-it note, fold it up, put it in my pocket, and cross it off as I go throughout the day. I have a checklist on my phone of things I'm going to do later today. It's like I, I just I want to have accomplished. <laughs> and if I, if I do things through the day that I have previously set that I want to accomplish, then I feel great about myself, which is <laughs> honestly a, a goal to feel, yeah, to feel good, good about myself. I love it. So... This has really been a great conversation about threes. And as listeners are kind of discerning, who is it in your life that's a three? Maybe it's you. Um, there's, here's a quote that kind of just gets to the heart of something that a three would wrestle with. This quote is from Christine Keenan. 
I'm sorry, be him. The real question is, can you love the real me? Not that image you had of me, but who I really am. So a three may be always um, having that shiny exterior, front and center, but really wondering, do the people in my life really see me and value me for who I am? So anyway, this has been an extremely interesting talk about how does a three feel? And so Eric, thanks a lot for sharing your heart. Oh, thanks so much. Vulnerable. This is kind of a, yeah, it's kind of an intense topic. Like who, who are you? Is it, what are your motivations <laughs> Let's and get goals? Let's deep down into yeah, yours. Um, but I, I really enjoyed it. I like to focus on the visceral anyway, so it's like kind of, kind of nice and fun <laughs> to talk about. Well, we are very grateful, and I love you very much. I'm very proud. Me of too. I love you too. Ah, <laughs> thank you too. Uh, thanks again so much for coming. You're welcome. So, at this time, we're going to talk about Enneagram fours and the what it, our handy dandy book, The Road Back to You, says about Enneagrams fours. These are the people that like things that are unconventional. They're dramatic and refined, and they are definitely not a fan of the ordinary. They never really feel like they belong. They have so many feelings a day, it's hard to know which one to pay attention to first. Some people think they might be aloof, but really they're just unique. Um, in social situations, they tend to hang back and wait for others to approach them. Melancholy is comfortable. I'm not like everyone else. Phew! Or, and I'm sensitive to criticism, and it takes a while to get over it. I spend a lot of time trying to explain myself. People tell me what to do, and I'm often tempted to do the opposite. Sometimes I disappear and go radio silent for a few days. I'm okay with sad songs, sad stories, sad movies. Overly happy people give me a headache. <laughs> I feel others are sometimes... I feel there is something essentially lacking in me. It's hard for me to settle into a relationship because I'm always looking for the ideal. I'm self-conscious. People say I'm intense. I'm an artistic or highly creative. Lots of people misunderstand me and it makes me frustrated. I pull people in and then get nervous and push them away. And I worry about abandonment. So that's kind of some bullet points on our Enneagram 4. So our number 4 speaker tonight is Quinn Cormick. We, in fact, you may recognize that name. You might think McCormick. Sounds familiar. Why, yes. Jill McCormick is... Quinn's mom. So, and Quinn was also on our podcast a year ago, and we're so glad that she's back. So, if you would like to listen to that episode, we'll link that show number into our show notes. But, Quinn, would you introduce yourself to our listeners, please? Yeah, well, thank you for having me. Um, I'm Quinn, like she said, and I'm an Enneagram 4. Um, I'm 22, and I just graduated from college at Rogers State University. Congratulations. Thank you. And I currently um, work for a publishing company as a book editor. And I also work at a recording studio on Broken Arrow. Um, and I also sing at Life Church Katusa. So those, those three things keep me busy. So all highly creative artistic things that she's doing. Absolutely. <laughs> Which fits with a creative person like a four. So... And I can tell you from those numbers that a lot of those are very, her mother would say, are very true. <laughs> so I would like to ask, when you look at the world, Quinn, what is the, what's the way you see things? Just is your normal way to see things? 
I think as a four, I have a tendency to idealize a lot of things, um, relationships, the future, you know, things that I hope to be, things that I would like to be. Um, I, like, as a four, kind of have, like, a big imagination. And um, also as an introvert, I have just um, a creative thought life, I guess. So I think that that causes me to just think about things and idealize things and think, you know, how perfect it would be if it was just this way. So then when reality doesn't match up to what I've imagined, I am only focused on that. So a lot of the times I see everything that's missing or everything that's wrong because it doesn't match up to what I had envisioned in my head. Um, And so, yeah, a lot of the times I, I think that I focus on everything that I wish was there Interesting. rather than enjoying the moment, enjoying where I'm at, enjoying, you know, all that I have. So when, if you were to walk into a party, what goes through your mind when you walk in? Are you going to gravitate towards the middle of the room? Or are you going to the side of the room? Or are you looking for a specific person? I think it depends on the party and the situation, but if it was like, Um, a party where I don't really know a lot of people maybe or an environment I'm not super comfortable in I would definitely hang back more and be uncomfortable and probably just be scanning the situation seeing if there's anyone I know anyone I can talk to um being really uncomfortable honestly (laughs) but if it's a party where I'm comfortable I know people um then you know I'd be obviously a lot more comfortable and talking to people and um I think that I can go one of two ways. If I am in a setting that I can, like, relax in, I can be um, just a lot more engaging, a lot more fun, you know, be dancing, whatever. Um, But if I'm not comfortable, then it's going to be very obvious that I'm not comfortable, so. Hmm. You're more comfortable in, like, a small group setting, do you think? For sure, yeah. Um, I definitely thrive more in smaller groups or one-to-one interaction, um, I think I can easily get overwhelmed in really big groups of people that I don't know. Well, you know, learning about our Enneagram number can really help and really enlighten. It certainly has for me. It's made me kind of go, oh, now I see why I do X, Y, and Z. And I don't know if you've had moments like that too in understanding and realizing, oh, I'm a four. So now I get this. So For what, sure. is, what are some things that you have found, maybe some aha moments or something? What's been challenging about being a four, but maybe insightful too? Yeah, there have been a lot of things that um, I've learned about myself through the Enneagram, which is why I think it's such a cool um, self-discovery, self-improvement tool in that way. Um, a big thing for me, just about myself in general, that's not even necessarily directly tied to the Enneagram, but it definitely plays into it, um, is just realizing that I'm an introvert, and I don't think that I labeled myself as that for a really long time, because I think my idea of what an introvert was was wrong, like that, oh, an introvert is someone who doesn't have friends, or is really quiet, really awkward, whatever, like, I don't want to be that, um, and when I realized that what an introvert really is, just someone who, you know, recharges on their own and gets um, energy from kind of resting and being on their own and is inside their head and all of that. It made me 
just kind of have an aha moment of like, oh, of course, like I'm an introvert and it's okay that I'm not always the life of the party or I'm not always super energetic when I'm around people because it just is draining sometimes. Mm -hmm. And that's just how I'm wired and that doesn't make it, you know, wrong that that's the way I am. So that's been a big kind of learning curve about myself. Um, And there have been so many moments that I'm reading something about the Enneagram 4 and it just like connects with me on a really deep level of it's super weird when you read something that is something like a thought process you've had or, you know, nothing that you've ever actually verbalized or articulated and you read it and it just like clicks with you. And I feel like a lot of people have had that experience with the Enneagram and I definitely have. Like when I'm reading the book, uh, The Road Back to You, I've said, oh, that's me. Yeah, it's (laughs) crazy. It's kind of creepy. You feel like someone (laughs) knows you. And it also, for me, makes, has made me feel not so like crazy. Like, you know, there are other people that feel this way um, and think this way. And I'm not, there's not, not something wrong with me that's just you know, the type of personality that I am and the way that I work. And with relationships, a lot of things that I've learned and read has made sense to me and why I'm the way I am, um, why it is hard for me to open up sometimes to people and why I can kind of draw back a lot of times, even subconsciously, I think, of just having that fear of abandonment but not necessarily, like, consciously realizing that's what happened that's what's happening but it's kind of like I pull away before someone else can talk about the push pull is that what you're talking about mm-hmm. so what what does that look like when you do a push pull with somebody so I think that I a lot of the times have a fear of giving too much in relationships or being too much or um it sounds bad, but even caring too much, like maybe they won't be where I'm at and then I'll have, you know, to deal with some sort of rejection. And that's just one of my biggest fears is any sort of rejection in any way. And so even with friendships, um, me not feeling like maybe things are balanced or like I'm totally secure and understood in that relationship just causes me to withdraw or pull away, as you said. Um, And then you know, depending on the relationship, maybe that will cause them to, to push in harder and to show me, no, I do care about you. You know, I am your friend. And then it's like, okay, I can give a little bit more. I feel a little more secure in this relationship, but it kind of causes that push pull effect in relationships. Mm-hmm. And then the, with the being in the kind of melancholy half of emotions, but it's not a depression. Talk about that a little bit. Yeah. So, and I definitely have been depressed before but I think people misunderstand melancholy and depression and melancholy is almost like a to me it's like a beautiful sadness like there's beauty and sadness and um and being moved emotionally like for me I love sad movies or not even just movies that make me cry that upset me that get me really emotionally involved songs that just really move me you know things that touch you in a deep way and make you feel something I love. And I know there have been movies before that my mom just, like, doesn't want to go see with me because she's like, that just looks sad. I don't want to be sad or it looks, you know, disturbing or whatever. And then I go see it and I'm just, like, emotionally wrecked and I'm like, oh, I love it. And I'm just sad. I'm just sad the rest of the night. 
because of it and I just think about it and but it's like I almost crave that like fours sometimes I think crave sadness in a way um and you're okay with sitting in it for a while and yeah being there Mm -hmm. when someone near you is really sad is that something that you find I can just be there with them I think so yeah sit in that sadness and be okay yeah not try to fix not try to magic wand it definitely yeah um and realizing that when friends are going through something um there's really nothing I can say or do that's going to fix it. And so kind of just coming to terms with that, like I can't I can't fix whatever the issue is. You know, I don't have magic advice that's going to help. Um, and I think a lot of people try to give that to people, but that's just not, you know, doesn't exist. And so a lot of times people just need you to just sit with them or be with them. What about when you are in a time of stress or you're in a time of strength or, you know, what are some things that you have as a four, what do you go to in those times? Because it kind of fleshes out differently when you're in those times, right? Yeah, so I think that fours, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I think fours go to two in stress or unhealth. And I think it's easier for me to identify And fours go to one in health or security. And it's easier for me to identify with the one side of me. Um, But I think as far as the two unhealthy side, I think that I can tend to probably maybe be emotionally needy and kind of project that onto other people. And I think that fear of um, just not feeling secure in my relationships and... um, people just kind of not being able to live up to these standards that I have in my head and these things that I need from them that they probably don't even know that I need from them. But, you know, I'm just obviously in an unhealthy space. And in strength and security, I go to a one. So I can be very focused on, like, structure and... um, Yeah, you tend to get kind of, like more like this is right this is wrong kind of the lawyer thing comes in to play a little bit so and that's that kind of would go with the one yeah and I think I can get really passionate about um causes or things that I care about and um I think that can also kind of fall into the one of of wanting to champion and so the deadly sin of a four is envy. So what does that look like? Is that like a comparison thing? Is it just like wishing you had something? What does that look like? For me, I really struggle with comparison. And I, I again, like I talked about earlier, I see everything that's wrong, everything that's missing. And that goes for myself as well. So everything I don't like about myself or everything I wish that was better, and I see that in other people and it just like kills me and I just will compare myself to anyone for any reason you know whether it comes to looks or style or their musical ability or their creativity or even just their life and I think in this day and age with social media and as a female that's a struggle for a lot of people in general and I think social media just really can exacerbate that issue because obviously everyone portrays 
their best self on social media, the coolest things they're doing, the coolest things they have. And so when I just get on Instagram or, you know, Twitter, Facebook, whatever it is, and I see a post, that can just immediately ruin my whole day and just make me get in my head of, I'm never going to be this. I'm never going to have this. There's something wrong with me that I can't be good enough. I can't be like them. I can't reach this level. You know, I can't have the life that I want or do the things that I want. And I can't really pinpoint why that is, but I just feel like I don't have it in me to to get to the place that I want. And when I see people that I perceive as being at that place, it just kills me. And I can get in just a really negative headspace and a really self-destructive headspace. Mm-hmm. And I have to just work on my self-talk and remind myself that social media and the way the way you see people is not always reality. You know, you never know what someone's actually going reality. through. Honestly. Sure, <laughs> definitely. Yeah, you never know what someone is actually going through or, or what's actually going on behind the scenes or, you know, how they feel. And it's so easy to just kind of project all those things on other people and think they have this and I don't when a lot of the times that's not the case and I'm just trying to learn how to be content with who I am where I'm at what I have in the life that I've been given because you know that's important too and I'm in the place I am and living the life I am for a reason and so it's kind of it's just a waste of my time to be so consumed by what other people are doing because I'm missing everything yeah, that's happening for me. Underline that sentence and just, <laughs> I don't know, cross stitch it on a pillow or something. <laughs> we need to all remember that. It's so good, Quinn. And it's so true that comparison robs our joy. So I think as you've learned about the Enneagram and as you figured out what your triggers are and what your things that you can grow through, do you think that you've learned some um, helpful ways to bypass going so deeply into maybe feeling sad or, or that comparison ditch? Yeah, I think a big thing is staying off social media, especially when I am already having a down day. Um, and definitely not starting my day on my phone. I think it has is really easy for me to just pick it up and just start scrolling and then it just kind of sets my day off on a negative tone and so just trying to be aware of that and realize you know my tendency to just pick up my phone and mindlessly scroll and the effect that that can have on me and so just making a conscious choice not to do that because I know that it's just gonna mess with my head and it's just gonna put me in a bad place and there's really no need for that so be the advocate what do you think people misunderstand about fours I think fours in general feel pretty misunderstood a lot of the time and I think a lot of that has to do with there's just so much going on in our heads at least for me personally there's so much going on in my head all the time and I'm not always good at expressing it or communicating it to other people. And so for me, I feel like sometimes there's a a disconnect between 
how I feel or what I want to do and what I'm actually doing, Mm -hmm. if that makes sense. And I think because I can be reserved sometimes, I fear that people maybe think that I'm shy or snobby or, you know, standoffish. And it's, it's not that, it's just honestly a lot of times just me being reserved or insecurity. And I definitely feel, I worry that that comes off as a negative. Yeah. And then what's your favorite thing? What do you love about being a four? (coughs) I think something I love about being a four, um, I think that fours can um, go deeper in their relationships. And I really don't like inauthenticity and shallowness and I really don't like relationships that are very surface level and people that I can just tell are maybe hiding things or portraying themselves in a certain way that's not true Um, so I think that that's an important thing to have in the world is people that do care about authenticity and um, seek that out and try to bring that out in other people and go deeper um and I think force can help people discover their emotions in a way and kind of learn how to deal with the sadness or deal with the melancholy um, and see that it doesn't have to all be bad. Mm-hmm. It's kind of cool to find out how many amazing artists are fours, too. I mean, you're in a good club. <laughs> <laughs> For sure. So, And it's very possible, listeners, that we are in the company of greatness who will one day have great fame so we can all say we need Quinn (laughs) (laughs) and um, whether or not that happens we love your talent that God's blessed you with so much thank you but it's nice to know that as you said earlier in the episode that there are so many people who identify with how you see the world how you feel yeah and so maybe listeners if you have someone in your life if you love a four if you're married to a four you're parenting a four this will just help you have insight into how to love them and if you are a four then you can just accept your awesomeness for just how you are and and realize that you have some amazing gifts inside you that are fantastic strengths thanks Quinn thank you guys thanks for coming thanks for having me that was such a fun time to be able to talk to our people that we're close to about say, their Jill, I'm so really fun. liking this whole <laughs> Enneagram study. I love it a, a whole lot. Yeah, it was super fun. So we did forget to mention in the threes um, section that their deadly sin is deceit. And that's not necessarily deceiving other people. It, it's a lot of times deceit of themselves, that they convince themselves of something, or, they, or it could be with other people that they're... Um, trying to be something that they're not they may so want to identify with the glittering persona that they may lose their true self in the performance because they're so good at performing and so it's something to just be we meant to bring that up when we were in our conversation with our three eric wall but and as we've just wrapped up this uh look in the two into the heart triad of twos threes and fours as you're studying this and uh, loving the people in your life that happen to be twos, threes, and fours, or maybe you are, here are some quotes to just leave us with. 
um, an unknown speaker says for a two, a two may feel like this. I want you to be happy, but I want to be the reason. <laughs> and then a quote for threes could be, the real question is, can you love the real me? Not that image you had of me, but who I really am. And then for fours, a quote that is from Tim Burton could be this. That I mean, it is this, but the fours may feel this way. If you've ever had that feeling of loneliness, of being an outsider, it never quite leaves you. There are some thoughts to kind of wrap up twos, threes, and fours. Next time you hear from us, we will be delving into the fives, sixes, and sevens in the head triad. So we will be back in a couple weeks to talk about that. Thanks so much. Have a great day, everybody. Bye.